We give you praise. Amen. All right, Miss Laura, come on up. Huh? Yeah, let me get a stool so you can put your water on. Are you? Well, that too. Okay. You know, if I'd been in any doubt that we were going to adopt each other, it was confirmed when they told me that I could wear my um, hiking shoes. My feet are so happy. They're so, so happy. I told him I can prophesy a couple hours longer with my happy feet. How many of y'all saw that movie, Happy Feet? I've got happy feet tonight. Don't tell him what's going to happen. <laughs> um. I want to talk about some things tonight that um, I I want you to know. know, Some of you don't know me at all. I want you to know I am not not weird. I'm not way out there. I'm not flaky. So if this sounds flaky to you, um, raise your hand and ask a question. Because really, um, what what we're going to talk about may sound a little bit uh, different. But it's really not. It is something that literally has changed my life. You know how some people say, oh, I went to this service and it just changed my life. And then three days later, they're worse than they were before. <laughs> but I'm telling you that I, when, I, when I was asked to, to teach on this subject um, and what we're, what we're going to do tonight, I'm going to ask you to just be patient. You're going you're to want to take notes. Uh, and we're going we're gonna to study a lot, and we're going to talk a lot. It's going to take a while. So this is going to be, this isn't going to be one of your 30-minute deals and then just blow everybody over. Um, this is going to be a real, this is a real deal because we're in a real time, and we, we, need, we, need, to, we need something more. How many of you are, are satisfied with, with what you have in God? <laughs> Okay, you're not satisfied. We're, we're not satisfied because that's the nature of God. The, the more we know about God, the more we want to know about God. And the more we know and the, and the more we want to know because he's wonderful. And so really knowing a little bit about him just makes us hungry, 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 hungry for more. And so we, we're moving. We've, we've left the charismatic um, renewal behind and and who knows where we're going we're moving we're moving you know we're always growing in god you have to grow in god you can't stay the same there's no status quo stay in the same place with god you've got to be moving on and because of of the season that we're facing because of the challenges that we're facing we cannot be um we cannot be someday christians we can't be part-time christians we've got to get serious about God, and we've got to do something about it. We've got to do something about it. Um, so let me ask you just a series of questions that you know the answer to. So um, we're, talking about, we're talking about deep, deep wells. Where are the wells? Good, good. So we're talking about jumping in the river. Where is the river? Well, where is the kingdom? Where is the temple? Okay, so why are we always... Praying out this way, praying out this way. Oh God, oh God. Now we do lift our hands as the evening sacrifice, etc. But I find as I travel that most of us as Christians, we really have no concept of, of Christ 
inside of us. We, we're not in touch with that. We're, 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 we know, we know the Word. We know a lot about God. We, 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 you know, we, we, we've learned a lot about worship. We've learned a lot about intercession. I teach a lot on intercession as I go because I believe it's the foundation of our life in Christ. I teach on intercession. I teach on corporate intercession. I teach on intercession that, that moves, uh, the corporate body in a, in a, in a, uh, a service into one place or another in the Lord. I teach on that. But, but I believe that we, we've, we've got to have a life of God where we go into the deep wells, we go into the river inside of ourselves so that if there wasn't a church, if there wasn't anything here, we would have that life in God, rooted in God. The, the, there were a, a group of people, a, a kind of a type of people, they were called mystics. And they were, they were, um, you know, they were ridiculed. But let me tell you something, when someone that lived in a time where there was no radio, there was no TV, there was no printed word so much, there, there was no communication. They lived off in the desert somewhere or, or up on a mountain in a, in a stone, you know, edifice. They, and their, and their words that they wrote are still being read today, still feeding people today. Hey, something's going on here that we need to know about because they, these, these, I mean, people would, for the mystics, some of them, people would walk on foot for six months. To, to get to a place where they had heard that someone was and miracles were happening in the middle of nowhere. I mean, this is an, an amazing. They have, uh, they have a truth about our life in God that you and I need to glean from. So, because as we move into ministry, our life in God, our ministry has to be out of that overflow. We can't, we can't come to church once a week or twice a week, go to a couple of leadership meetings and have what it takes to feed the body of Christ, to go out and break the bread that, that, that gives life to a nation. So in speaking of nations, I understand you guys are from Africa, right? Ghana and, and Zambia. I went to Africa every summer for 14 years. So I may look white, but my blood is black. I just want you all to know that. And Zambia was one of the countries. I went, I went a lot to Zimbabwe, but I also went to Zambia several times. And so just, uh, just, just love seeing y'all. You know, I can call them and I can, I can feel Africa coming over the phone wires. There's just no place like Africa. I love Africa. Well, that was just a little bit off the subject. Um, I want to talk tonight about Christian meditation. Um, the word meditation generally has a bad, uh, a bad uh, reputation because Eastern religions have stolen the concept from the Lord. But, but there, this is a scriptural principle, and we want to talk about it tonight. I, um, I've always been a real cerebral person. I've, I've you know, made good grades in school. I did blah, blah, blah. And so it was very difficult for me when I got baptized in the Spirit to separate the, the, the things of my mind and the way my mind works and the things of the Spirit. 
And, you know, the scripture says the word of God pierces to the what? The dividing line of soul and spirit. So it's very difficult for us to go into the spirit. You know, they said, the the Bible says that Ezekiel was in the spirit and the hand of the Lord drew him out in the spirit to a place. Well, it's hard for us to do that if we've got this great big mind and this little bitty spirit. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if, if, if we put all of our attention on our mind and the way our mind thinks and our attitudes and our perspectives, we've got a, we got a great big mind walking around saying, I know everything, I know everything. And our little bitty spirit's going, what about me? What about me? What about me? So it's difficult to even survive one class in Christian meditation if all we are is one big mind. So I'm telling y'all right now that on, in tonight's class, you're going to have to take the, the mind switch. It has an on and an off. You're going to have to take the mind switch and turn it off. Is that, you know, possible? Okay. So that means that when, when we start saying and talking about things, your mind can't instantly say, oh, I don't believe that. <laughs> Because your spirit then is going to listen. So tonight we're going to listen with the spirit. Deal? All right. Let's turn to Genesis 24, verse 63. Genesis 24, verse 63. Y'all know I like the Amplified Bible. I like the Amplified Bible because it takes the original languages and puts out the expanded meaning. So I use the Amplified Bible quite a bit. And Isaac went out to meditate and bow down. Now, I like the fact that, first of all, he went out. He separated himself. He went out and he separated himself. Genesis 24:63. He went out and he meditated and he bowed down in prayer in the open country in the evening. And he looked up and saw that, behold, the camels were coming. Now, this is a perfect picture, perfect, in just one little tiny verse of life in God. Because you separate yourself, you bow down, and you meditate, you forget about everything. This is not begging and pleading, <laughs> okay? You're meditating, and suddenly provision comes. This actually could be a verse for you to... to uh, take and to pray about for this church, that this church is going to go out to separate itself, to meditate and to bow down. And behold, while you're in the midst of the Lord, provision comes. See, we're not going to twist God's arm by begging and pleading. Now, I, I do teach prayer. I teach prayer, but I don't teach begging and pleading. So um, that just doesn't work. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's just he doesn't like whining or what. <laughs> but I just, I do know that begging and pleading doesn't work. So the word, the Hebrew word there for meditate is to muse pensively, to muse. Now, there are a number of different words in the Bible that are translated meditate. This, there's this one to me, to muse pensively. <clears throat> one one means to um, to murmur or to mutter. In other words, it gives the impression that you're uh, 
you're focusing and you're, you're muttering, speaking the word that you're meditating on, speaking it over and over and over. So just tuck that in. We're going to continue. Uh, and you don't have to look up each one of these. You can write down the references, Psalm 1, 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Now, how can you meditate day and night? How can you do that? We're going to talk about that. How can you meditate day and night? Really interesting. Psalm 24, verse 27, verse 4. One thing I've asked of the Lord, I just love this, that will I seek, and this is the amplified expanded meaning, inquire for and insistently require. Remember last night, that speaks of passion. That speaks of a a passion, a, a necessity. That I will seek for, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord in his presence all the days of my life to behold, this means to see, to see, to behold and gaze, that's to choose to continue to see, upon the beauty, the sweet attractiveness, and the delightful loveliness of the Lord, and to meditate, now listen to these three words, meditate, consider, and inquire in his temple. Okay, now we've established where his temple is, right? All right, so... Point in your body to where is his temple. Okay. It's, the Bible says out of your innermost being or out of, I, I, we in Texas, we say guts. <laughs> Richard says, my husband is a college professor and he's always, he's spent 37 years, we've been married now, trying to teach me not to say things like guts and snot in public. And really, you know, they're just so descriptive. I mean, what can I say? <laughs> So when he's not around, I go, guts, 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 guts. (laughs) He's gotten to the point now where he says, do you talk about me when I'm not there? I said, of course. (laughs) All right. So one thing I require by necessity, one thing, and that's to gaze. Now, if this is not the one thing that we require, then something is missing. In our life in God. If what we require is to be in a church service. Or what we require is to be ministering to somebody. Or what we require is to have a microphone in our hand. Then something is missing. That's why this scripture says one thing. One thing. He's trying to teach us. We live in such a complicated world. And we have so many avenues of distraction. And so we've got to get back to the basics because we're not going to survive if we don't. We've got to connect with God as we have never connected with God before. This is the answer to the next season. We absolutely must connect in a way that we have never connected before. Now, I've been in full-time ministry for 30 years. I've traveled all over the world, you know, blah, 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 blah. But I'm the first one to tell you I have to connect with the Lord in a new way in this season. Because what I knew and what I've done in the past, it's not enough anymore. I mean, my duty button from having been raised on the front pew of the Baptist church, that wore out. Years ago. Did any of y'all also have a duty button? 
It was a duty button. And every time they punched it, I went, okay. And then I did it because I thought I was supposed to. What we've got to do is come to the place where we say, one thing, one thing I have a nece- a, is necessary for me. One thing. And that's to gaze and to muse pensively, to, 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 to see, to behold. I've always wanted to see. I've always had a thing about seeing because I'm, I'm a visual person and I like to make things visible. I'm, it's part of my, part of my teacher gift as, as well as the, the prophet sees, but, but the teacher wants to explain it. You know, and so I've got both of these things. I've got the, I've got the, the see thing, but I've got the, I've got to explain it thing. And it's got to be clear. I was just talking with, yeah, we were talking about it. it's got to be clear because if, if, if you're, if you're a true teacher, then you have a passion to make it clear so that others can understand it. It's not enough to just go mumbo jumbo, mumbo jumbo, trust me, I see it. That's not good enough. You know what I'm saying? I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. I don't know. I'm, I'm getting off here. <laughs> okay. So, connection with God. In God, we're always moving. But God isn't moving. We're moving. God is growing us and enlarging us, and we're continuing. So, in this hour, we're going we're gonna to learn to embrace God inside of us. So, Change your perspective of just unconsciously when we worship, unconsciously when we pray. It's, oh God, oh God. Start changing your perspective. The Bible says it is Christ in you. Now, we used to have an evangelist come through our church, and he would come every three or four months, and he always preached the same message. Christ in you, Christ in you, Christ in you, Christ in you. And I'd go home after church. This is when I was a new charismatic trying to figure out all this crazy stuff. And I'd go home and I'd go, are you in there? Are you in there? Hello? Hello? And I would lie down on my bed and try to figure it out. And, I mean, it was like, you know, there's my stomach. I mean, you know, <laughs> it was so disappointing. And he would come and it was like I thought, I thought one of us is really wrong. And I don't know. i got a feeling it's him. <laughs> because... Because he would come in and he would say, variations. I mean, it had different language, but it was all variations on Christ in you, 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 and I never did get it. It took me years and years and years after that and other people that came in. <laughs> he didn't do it for me. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I think it was probably his fault, but I mean, he just, he just didn't do it for me. So we're gonna, we're gonna learn to embrace the concept that Christ really is in us because this body, this is I know in heaven there's going to be a for love for the love of chocolate store right after the pearly gates. <laughs> and in heaven I'm going to be able to just go in there and get everything I want and just eat it till the cows come home. Eat, 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 and nothing is going to change in my svelte, slim body. Okay, now, to gaze, to gaze on the, the loveliness, to see, to gaze, contemplate is a word. We hear contemplative prayer. 
prayer that is contemplating the beauty of the Lord inside of us. Okay? Now, I'll tell you right off the bat that the difference between us and the Eastern religions is that they empty the mind and they don't fill it with the Word of God. They empty it, and so then they, they do om or some such thing. And, and so what happens is demons just fly in and out at will, you know. But, but in Christian meditation, we are meditating on the Lord, the Word. We are meditating on God. So we fill, we do empty the mind. I mean, you're going to have to give it up. I've got news for you. Bad things are down, coming down the pike, and tonight... And your mind is going to be mad, mad, mad. You think I'm laughing. You think this is funny, but I mean, no kidding. I'm going to give y'all, we're going to hear in about another page or two. I'm going to give y'all, I'm going to give y'all five minutes and you will not believe it. You just will not believe what your mind does. It jumps up and down. It turns cartwheels trying to get your attention because trust me, it has been in control for quite some time. And so the spirit has to triumph over the mind, the will, and the emotions, the, 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 the Word of God piercing to the dividing line of spirit and mind, will, and emotions. All right. So let, I looked up, I love Webster. Webster was a Christian. And when you look at his earlier dictionaries, it's amazing the spiritual definitions that he has in there. The, the definition of contemplation, number one, Concentration on spiritual things as a form of private devotion. Number two, a state of mystical awareness of God's being. Ooh, isn't that good? I mean, that's in a secular dictionary. So, a state of mystical, that's, that means not intellectual. You know, we think of mystical, I don't know what you think of, but mystical always sounds suspicious. <laughs> Doesn't it? You know, but but it it really just mystical just means it's not it's not the senses and it's not the intellect. That's all it means. It's abstract. Mystical means abstract. In fact, we've got um, coming right up is a is a is a definition of that. But a state of mystical awareness of God's being. I mean, what more is there? That's what we need. I mean, that's what we're that's what we're asking for. Is that is that presence? You know. As opposed to talking to somebody on a text or a, or a, or, you know, radar or email. You want to email God? I'm sick of it. I mean, you know, I send him a message, he sends me a message, I read it on the screen. That's no fun. I mean, we have, we have got to have, we've got to have an awareness of his being. He's alive. He's alive and he's alive in us. This isn't just the body that you see. There's more than meets the eye. Okay, number three, an act of considering with attention. Focusing all your attention for periods of time a day. I'm going to talk about that. Number four, the act of regarding steadily. Number, uh, oh, I've got two fours. Number five. The intention or the expectation. So when you regard him, when you gaze upon him, when you contemplate him, it's with expectation. It's not, oh, gee, he's probably not going to do anything, say anything, or come. You know, I mean, it's not a, it's not a, 
We're never going to reach God through the midst of despair, uh, discouragement, um, uh, you know, unbelief. Uh, you know, well, I'm going to try my best, but, you know, probably he won't do anything he never has before. Well, I mean, you know, that's not going to connect you with God. I mean, you're just not going to get there that way. And, I mean, I'm after success. I'm, t- I'm tired of all these pig trails. So don't waste your energy and your time. Let me, let me help you. <laughs> all right. Let's talk about the definition of mystical. Number one, having a spiritual meaning or reality that is neither apparent to the senses nor obvious to the intelligence. Now, see, we want to find God by what we know. And, and that's just, it's, it, in some dimensions that works, but in a mystical state of awareness of his presence, no. That's not about intellectual, mental knowledge. Number two, relating to or resulting from an individual's direct communication with God, the experience of the inner light. That's a secular dictionary. Don't you just love it? Mystical. That's the definition of mystical. Experience of the inner light. Wow. I love that. Okay. So, then mysticism is the experience of mystical union or direct communion with God, the ultimate reality. Interesting. So, we have to learn to leave our mind behind. What does the word mystify mean? The word mystify means to perplex the mind. (laughs) So mystics mystify Christians. (laughs) Because Christians want to get to, to the Lord by their mind. But their mind is mystified when you start talking about something that the intellect can't dissect, do A, B, C, D, and tell you exactly how to, you know, a formula, a path that goes and you turn left, turn right. That's what we want is a formula. Isn't that right? We want a formula just like a, a, we want an internal GPS system. We say, go to God. And it says, go take a left, go take a right. Go to, uh. You know, that's what today's technologically advanced intellectuals want. I would like it, but unfortunately, I don't think that's going to happen. All right, so in the Bible dictionaries, when you, when you look up meditation, it says a private devotional act consisting in deliberate reflection upon some spiritual truth, some mystery. You know, the Lord talks about mysteries. He says, it's given to you to know the mysteries of the gospel, the things that angels long to know. I long to know the mysteries of the gospel. So this Bible, this one particular Bible dictionary says meditation is a duty that should be attended by all who wish well to their spiritual interests. It should be deliberate, close, and continuous. Meditation. Now, when you go into all the Hebrew words that mean, that are translated meditation, uh, they mean to murmur, to have a deep tone, uh, to sigh. Uh, it says even like the dull sound of a harp, making noise, making sounds. Let my meditation be sweet. 
Um, the, the word meditation there means a bowing down. That's why, that's why in Genesis it, it said it was not only meditating, but bowing down. There's a, there's a, there's a, uh, a sense of bowing down of the person in meditation. You bow down so that he can arise. If we are still on the throne, if self is on the throne, if, 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 if all that we know, if our mind all is still on the throne, then we're not bowing down. We have to bow everything that we know down and focus on him so that he rises up within us or enlarges within us. Sometimes I think that our mind, our will, and our emotions cause him to just be confined and, and down in some spot without, without us allowing him to, to freely come and expand in us. Things are happening. Okay. Now, more scriptures. Joshua 1, 8. The book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Interesting. You know, how can you do that? First Chronicles 16.9, sing to him, sing praises to him, meditate on and talk of all his wondrous works. So, Psalm 2 verse 1 says, why do the nations assemble with commotion and why do the people imagine? And then it's the expansion of imagine in the, in the original language means to meditate on and devise. Now, I submit to you that we're going to meditate on something. We are always meditating, always meditating. That mind is going 24 hours a day. Some people that have insomnia, it's because they can't shut their mind down. Their mind goes and goes and goes and goes and goes, and it's meditating on something all the time. Well, it's meditating on the wrong things, and that's why we have to harness the mind. Everybody say harness. Harness the mind. The mind, your mind is like my mind. It's like a, a bronco. It's like a wild horse. And it's having lots of fun unrestricted in its pasture. And so what we're going to do is we learn to focus on the Lord in prayer and meditation is we're going to harness the mind and teach it that it has to do what we say, and that is to focus on the Lord. Sounds good. Oh, my, wait till you do it. All right. <laughs> okay. Psalm 63, verses 5 and 6. My whole being shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate upon you in the night watches. Incredible. Many, 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 many um, scriptures about meditation. It's funny, you don't hear much about that. You don't hear much preaching and teaching on meditation. I think they're scared of it. I think they, they don't want to, you know, get off on something weird. Um, I'm not going to read this, and I'm not going to go through it for the purposes of time, but Psalm 105, verses 2 through 5, lists several ways several avenues that you can, that you can um, focus on the Lord. You can 
gaze upon him. Uh, you can sing. You can remember the things that he's done. You can worship. You, can, you, you seek him. You contemplate on the word. What we're going to do tonight, we're going to continue to talk about this, and we're going to talk about the principles of what happens when we literally meditate on the Word. But what we're going to practice tonight is a beginning exercise, okay? So what, I'm going to, what we're going to do, we're going to do it here in a couple of minutes. We're going to do our first five-minute segment. And what we do in these segments, this is an exercise, okay? This is not the way you're going to meditate for the rest of your life. Got it? Does everybody understand that? This is an exercise to, to discipline your mind because you have to discipline your mind. It's like you can't run an Olympic race until you have disciplined your muscles and you've caused your muscles to, to function properly so that you can run the distance or, or balance on an ice skate or whatever it is you're going to do in the Olympics. So... In meditation, we're, we're going to learn to discipline the mind, and it's going to feel really strange, and it's going to, you're going to seem strange to you, but it, it will literally, by, by harnessing the mind, it will teach you to let the Spirit gaze upon the Lord. Does that make sense? There's, a, there's an interesting analogy, uh, example of this in the in the parts in the east they use elephants we use caterpillars a great big machinery they use elephants to do their work and so the man that owns the elephant he's he's got to get the elephant down through town till he can get him to the place where he wants to work well the elephant's got this trunk and the trunk is exactly like our mind that trunk is just swinging around, always trying to grab the person's oranges on the, or grab the, the, the shopkeeper's stuff over here. I mean, he just gets into all kinds of trouble just trying to get the elephant through town. So what he does is he puts a block of wood in the elephant's trunk. And, you know, the elephant's stupid. I mean, he thinks it's something interesting. And so he just puts that thing in his, and he just goes straight through town. When he could be getting into all kinds of stuff. So... What we're going to do in the exercise of meditation is we're going to put a prayer phrase. We'll call just a, one prayer phrase or one part of the word. Not a long part, because if you put a long part, you're going to exegete the scripture for five minutes. And that's not the purpose of this. Okay, but we're, we're making a journey into the awareness of the Lord, of the person of Jesus Christ inside of us in our mind is not going to like it okay so we're going to put something in the mind and that's going to be uh that's going to be just a maybe a three-word phrase two-word phrase a name of god you know uh prince of peace uh uh good shepherd whatever just let the lord give you a short prayer phrase and then what you do is you occupy your mind with that. Now, how do you do that? We should all be experts. <laughs> how do we occupy our mind with something? We think it, right? We think it, think it, think it, think it, think it, over and over and over and over and over until we do some rash act. <laughs> so what we're going to do is we're going to say, say, you're, say Prince of Peace. Say you're going to take the phrase Prince of Peace. We're going to have a five-minute time. And you're going to allow your mind only to think those words. 
Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. Now, I told you all this part was going to sound kind of strange. Prince of Peace. Whatever phrase, that is a part of the Word of God. The Word of God is alive, right? It's alive. It's light. The Word of God is light. So what you're doing is you're piercing the inside of yourself with the light of the Word of the Lord. And it is not going to make sense to your mind. Does that, does, is, are, you, are you tracking with me so far? Okay, let me see if there's anything else we want to do. Um, so literally, you know, the, the Hebrew word for meditate, to muse and to mutter, to think and to say over and over. You don't have to say it out loud. You can just say it in your mind. In, in a corporate setting, if you're at home, you can say it out loud. I usually just, just say it, you know, inside myself. Just say this. You say it over and over and over, and that word helps to separate your soul from your spirit, and it allows your spirit to begin to be aware of the Lord on the inside. Okay? Any questions? No? Okay, y'all ready for an adventure? All right. So we're not going to jump. We're not going to shout. We're not going to sing. We're not going to clap. We're not going to dance. We're going to go inside to the source. All right? So somebody set your, your phone for five minutes. <laughs> Who's got a phone that can set the alarm for five minutes? So when you're doing this at home, you want to sit with your feet on the floor. Don't, don't cross anything. It'll go to sleep. You don't want to lie down. You'll go to sleep. Um, you, you want to just sit with your feet on the floor, your, your hands relaxed, you know, uh, don't cross your arms, just kind of, you know, just be relaxed. You're probably going to want to close your eyes. You're not going to want to do it where there's a tick-tock, where there's any kind of music, any kind of noise, because your mind will zero in on that, and that's all you'll get out of the five minutes. <laughs> tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. Okay, are y'all ready? Did we, did we set the clock? Five minutes. All right.
think that was the ring. No? Now, did that seem like a long time? Seemed like a long time? Oh, that was that sounds like crickets. <laughs> Went by fast. Did you find your mind going jumping, jumping? Did you go to the did you go to the grocery store? Did you think about the TV? <laughs> I thought about how thirsty I was. I was on a ministry trip on the east coast up the up north of you and and um we were in this church and there were three of us were prophetic three prophetic ministers and um one night after the first service the pastor says, Okay, we've got the prophets here. He said, Tomorrow night, bring your friends, bring your children. He said, They're gonna prophesy over everyone that needs a word. And I thought, oh, brother, you know. And so I'm not kidding you. The next night, the church was absolutely jam-packed. They had, they had three tape recorders in a row. And, and I'm not kidding. They, got the, they brought the dogs off the street. I've never seen so many people in all of my life. And we did a whole service. We, we did the worship. We, we preached. We, we prayed and everything. So at 10 p.m., we started prophesying. And when, and they started getting in line right away. And when I looked at all those people, I said, there is, there is just, I mean, help! <laughs> I said, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this. And so it was the, I had the strongest experience because I'd never, this was like 25 years ago. I'd never experienced anything like this. I literally, once I realized there was no way that I could do this, the Lord took me in the spirit and I, all I can tell you is how I would describe it. I crawled into God. I just crawled in there. And, and there was nobody in there but God. I mean, there weren't any people. There weren't any, there weren't any ushers. There was nobody monitoring my activities. There was just God. I crawled in there and for four straight hours we prophesied over one after another after another. And I've, I've done similar things many times since then, but that was my first big experience. And I can still remember, uh, you know, the, the remarkable things that happened. I mean, I prophesied over a two-year-old. I'm not kidding you. They went to the nursery and got the babies. And I prophesied over this, I prophesied over this two-year-old, and, and his dad said um, she got the exact same word, word for word, two weeks ago. Things like that just just on and on and on and on. But it was my first experience of crawling into God. And it's, it's, it's a perfect example of what we're going to be doing as we learn to meditate on the Lord and on the Word. And this type of exercise shows us how unruly and undisciplined our mind is. It's just off the charts. I mean, it's just... For the most part, we're, we're very undisciplined. Now, 
Proverbs 4, later you can read this whole thing, Proverbs 4, verses 20 through 27. He says, attend to my words and submit to my sayings. Consent and submit to my sayings. See, that's really what, what you're doing in meditation. You are focusing everything that you've got, all of your attention, your mind, your will, your emotions, your body, everything that you are, you're focusing it on one thing. One thing. He says, consent and submit to my sayings. Let them not depart from your sight and keep them in the center of your heart. See, that's what you were doing. You were taking a phrase, and I realized I, I, didn't, I didn't make sure everyone had a phrase before we started. I started to say, time out! <laughs> but, um, but you take that phrase from the Word, and you send it to the center of your heart, because that's where the Lord is. That's why he says, keep that word in the center of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing and health to all their flesh. Now, let's talk about what happens when we meditate. When we begin to really be serious about this and we meditate and on the Lord and on his word, number one. We make a journey. This is a journey. It's easy to think about God. But we're making a journey deeply into our own heart where we find only God. It's a journey. Number two, we realize that our finite minds cannot grasp the infinity of God. He is infinite. We are finite. He is infinite. So the finite cannot comprehend the infinite. (laughs) It's not possible. We can think about it for the rest of our lives and we'll never understand it. Because the carnal mind cannot grasp. The scripture says the carnal mind is at enmity. That word means bitter hatred. Your carnal mind hates bitterly the things of God. It's just amazing. And of course, you know, then there are the people that go around saying, I have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. Like if they say it 5,000 times, it'll be true. And it's usually just a lie. You don't have the mind of Christ. Your mind is thinking about what you've got to do in the next 25 minutes after you get out of church. You know, it's not the mind of Christ. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, we know all those scriptures, but now it's time for us to take a definite journey. All right? So we realize that theology, philosophy, and any other form of knowledge only tells us about God. They do not bring us in the experience of God. We've got to have experience of God. Not just knowledge. We find that God simply cannot be grasped or known by the senses. See, this is the other thing. If we can't taste it or hear it or smell it or feel it, touch it, it's not real. We think that. We think it's not real. We're taught to think that. We're taught to rely on our senses. And, and
We expect him to be like us. And that's, that's just wrong, wrong, wrong. We expect him to be like us and we expect to be able to, to worship him and to, to think about him and to jump around and expect him to come down to our level so that we can understand him. And it's got to be the other way around. We've got to accept the fact that we cannot understand him. We cannot explain him. We cannot find him with any road map that exists on the face of the earth. And so we've got to submit all of that and let our spirit live. Now, you know, the scripture is full of all that. Walk by the Spirit, not by the flesh. Walk by faith, not by sight. Says it and 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 we never do it because we don't know how. All we know how to do is live in this world. So we're making a journey and it's exciting. It's exciting. So, God is beyond space and time. So what we're doing when we meditate is that we are abandoning words, images, and ideas. We're abandoning them. We're abandoning them in the silence of prayer. Now, we've been taught by society to regard silence as passive. What we need to understand that is, is that in this case, silence is aggressive. It's very aggressive. And so we're talking about, what do we mean by silence? We mean we are silencing self. That's it, self. We're silencing self so that God can rise. See, what we've tried to do is we've tried to find God through self. Self is trying to find God. Well, self is dead. (laughs) I mean, it is. It's dead. Self is not like God. The carnal self is not like God. So it doesn't even make rational sense that we can find God through our carnal self. Self is not the avenue to God. Crucifying self is the avenue to God. Paul says it all through the New Testament. Hello? So now all we're doing is experientially putting the pedal to the metal to the pedal, whatever that phrase is, putting the metal to the pedal. I mean, that was backwards, putting the metal to the metal. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. Translate it. I mean, it's time for us to experientially, practically do what the Bible says. Crucify self. So you're going to crucify your ideas. You're going to crucify your your desires, your ambitions, your perspective. You're going to crucify your mind. You're going to crucify all of it. And for five big minutes, (laughs) you're you're going to look for the Lord occupying self with the Word, which is alive, and your spirit is going to make a journey to know the the Lord. So, when we do that, 
when we abandon all of that, in the silence of prayer, we come to a deep, intuitive knowledge and love of God. We go into the secret place. Haven't you ever wondered, where's the secret place? I mean, you know, we've even, we even sing about the secret place. We sing all those songs about the secret place. Nobody knows anything about it or what it is and doesn't care, evidently. We don't even know. Well, the secret place is the place of his presence inside man. It's a mystery. That's why it says Christ in you, the hope of, of glory. It's a mystery. Known to the, made known to the Gentiles. It's a mystery. I always loved mysteries. I always loved mysteries. God's aim is to bring Christ to birth or to awaken Christ inside of us. To awaken. He's in us. If we're born again, we have Christ in us. But it's a, it's a, it's a dormant thing. He's, he's in there and, and we never pay any attention to him. <laughs> we pray to God out on some cloud somewhere. It's true. Isn't it true? You know, we, oh God, please, please. That, as long as we know that's not a child. Okay. Alright, so, so through the silence, of meditation, we learn to be fully awakened and alive. But we're alive in a different way than we always were before because we were always alive with our, our intellectual understanding. This just drives my husband absolutely crazy. He's the college professor, remember I told you? <laughs> I, told, I tried to explain it to him one day. Granted, I only took about 15 minutes. <laughs> But I tried to explain it to him, and he just looked at me with this glazed look in his eye, and he said, that goes against everything I've ever been taught all my life. <laughs> oh, we have some pretty interesting conversations. I'm sure y'all will relate to that. Okay, so it is a surrender of one's whole being to God. That's why some of us... During that five minutes, you felt so helpless because you're used to doing something. You're used to being, quote, productive, unquote. But you, but you, you killed all that, remember? So in the five minutes, which you, which you do expand to 10 and then 15 and then 20 and then 30, <laughs> uh, you surrender your whole being. See, it's more a question of what God does than what we do. And so we feel like if we're not doing something, nothing is happening. Well, that is the height of egotism. (laughs) Man, that is self on the throne in spades. I don't know where that phrase came from. Maybe hearts or something. Okay. So, it's entering into the prayer of Jesus to the Father in the spirit deep within us. Okay, let me say that again. It's entering into the prayer of Jesus to the Father. Jesus praying to the Father 
in the Spirit deep within us. See, we're just joining in. The Holy Spirit prays out of your innermost being. Remember that scripture? Rivers of living water are in there. I'm convinced that in some of us it is stagnant. But water is in there, whatever shape it's in. (laughs) No, I'm just teasing. (laughs) Water is in there, and it should be pouring forth. You know, it should be it should be pouring forth. But the but the the water is in there. The spirit is in there. Jesus is in there. We're entering in to the prayer that they they've got going on and have since before we were ever ever an issue. We're going in there, and our mind can't go. You're just gonna have to leave it outside the door because it can't go. Check it. And don't get the ticket, because you don't ever want it back. <laughs> okay, so we're actually doing very little from our own willpower or resources. A deeper force within us is doing everything. We, the Scripture's been telling you this for years. The Spirit prays within you. The Spirit prays within me. We're just joining in. One mystic, in, in some of my, my grazing around, one mystic dis, defines prayer as attention. Just attention. You know, prayer's not, like I said, begging and pleading. Prayer's not going down your list. Now, I, will, I do want to say this. Um, this is not the only method of prayer. I mean, hello. I, I, teach, uh, I teach prophetic intercession. I teach... Uh, uh, all kinds of different kinds of intercession. And when I began to teach this, I asked the Lord about it. And, he, and I had a vision of, of uh, going into the Lord. And it, I was in a hall, and there were a lot of doors. And the Lord says, this is just another door into the presence of the Lord. There's worship. There's contemplative prayer. There's, there's corporate intercession. There are many, many entrances but this is a very effective one that we learn the, 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 the literal mystical awareness of his presence, his real presence. Not, in a, not dependent on worship, not dependent on anyone else, but in ourselves. We have to be in ourselves. I mean, we're not going to drag the whole worship team when we cross the line into, into heaven. You know, oh, wait, I can't go. Jason and them, they got to come with me. <laughs> play me play me over. <laughs> we're going to be all alone on that journey. And so what, what we're doing is we're getting comfortable now. We're getting comfortable with it now. Okay, so our whole being comes to attention and focus and concentrate on God and God alone. Now, all of you seers and you prophets out there, when you begin to to meditate, the purpose of this is not to have a vision. The purpose of this is not to find a revelation or to... To, to get the answer to something. That's not the purpose of this. The purpose of this is just to gaze. One thing, one thing. 
gaze upon the Lord. And, you know, there aren't any rules, really. These are just ways that many, many people for hundreds of years have learned to go into the presence inside. One example is Jeannie Guyon. How many of you have ever heard of Jeannie Guyon? She wrote many books. One is called Experiencing the Depths of Jesus Christ. That's what we want to do. We want to experience the depths of Jesus Christ. It's, it's, it's like, you know, Moses, when he came out from the, from the tent of meeting and, he, and he, he, he had a shining upon him from the Shekinah glory. We want to experience the depths of Jesus Christ and then go out to minister and then go out to lead other people. We, we lead from the strength that, what, that, of, of, that we have found alone in his presence, alone in the silence. Not just the silence from the road noise, <laughs> but the silence from our own cacophony of mind acts. So, we meditate to become rooted in God. We meditate to be present to God's inner presence. And in that presence, to be transformed into his love. Because what does he say? You behold me and you will be changed from glory to glory into my image. All of this is scriptural. Thank God. So, Meditation is a spiritual death to our ego and a spiritual resurrection of our inner self to live again in Christ. To li- it's, it's a spiritual death to our ego and a spiritual resurrection of our inner self to live again in Christ. I used to, many years ago, I used to dance, and I would I danced to a song called To Live as Christ. I think it was uh, Steve Green, no. Uh, anyway, Keith, maybe, Keith Green, he wrote some really anointed songs. But, but, the, but the words were, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. There is no other, anyway, I can't remember all the words, but... <laughs> But anyway, it it, it is that scripture. To live is Christ and to die is gain. The silence of our thoughts, the silence of our mind is is a death of of our personal self, carnal self, ego, to live in Christ. To live is Christ. If we don't understand that principle, we don't have any business teaching people. You know, what are we teaching them? Stuff we've heard? (laughs) Are we just going to teach stuff we've heard and repeat like a parrot? We need to teach stuff that we've experienced. What would you say? 
Watch it now. You're meddling. You're meddling now. <laughs> I know. I need to get this tape. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm probably going to be struck by lightning. Um, so, here's the next one. We are meditating so that we can dispossess ourselves. Not just our ideas and insights, but to dispossess ourselves of our very carnal life. Uh, There's a man named John Maine. You can Google him. He's written a lot of things on on meditation. And when I was seeking the Lord, uh, Pastor Doug had told me that tonight would be either worship or prayer, or the combination of the two. And so I began to seek the Lord, and I'm telling you, I had a dream. And, and it, the, the circumstances in the dream aren't important, but I was in some exotic place, and I saw a cabinet. And, and I said, this is the most unusual cabinet I've ever seen. And, and the person that was showing me the house said, yes, it's a John Maine. And that's how I knew. <laughs> that's how the Lord confirmed to me that I was going to teach this tonight. Because this is, this is one of a series of six teachings on contemplative prayer. This is just one. And I never teach them out of, I never teach them solely. I always teach them in, in context with the other ones because I lead up to it and then, so y'all are just getting the straight whammy. <laughs> anyway, John Maine, this, some of the, some of this that I just read you is a quote from John Maine. Now one of the things that you're gonna fight are distractions of all kinds. That's why I said, when set yourself up to meditate and try to try to provide at least 30 minutes with no distractions possible. You know, no no alarms. Turn your phones off. To, you know, um, try to get where it's where it's going to be quiet because you it'll do anything. Anything will distract you. Your mind is just looking for a distraction, <laughs> hoping for one, believing for one. <laughs> I mean, your mind is sitting there going, oh, please, oh, please, I'm telling you, I've got to have a distraction here somewhere. <laughs> so so try to, try to get where you, can, where you can be and always just bring your attention back to the Word. Always bring your attention back. And, you know, 30 years from now when you really get this down, <laughs> you can expand and meditate on a whole sentence. It's interesting. I, I have a friend in Florida who is a, a, a spirit-filled Episcopal priest, and uh, she's been she's been meditating in in this kind of contemplative prayer uh, for thirty years. And so I said, "Listen, I got to ask you. You know what? How how does it feel now? What's different now than you know, or maybe not that long, but a number of years?" And I said, "What's different now?" And she thought for a minute, and she said, "I can go in." faster. Isn't that interesting? Now that was really profound because because it just says a whole lot of things. But but you're going in to the presence. So now y'all just kind of shake yourself off because it's only 8.30. i got 30 more minutes. Okay. So this is a this is kind of a quote Contemplation is always beyond our own knowledge. 
beyond our own light, beyond formulas or systems, beyond explanations, beyond conversations, it's beyond our own self. It's beyond. The deepest level of communication is not communication, but communion. It's wordless, so therefore it's beyond words and beyond concepts. That's also John Main. It's beyond concepts. Because, see, we got these little carnal concepts. We're so proud of them. <laughs> you know, and he's so much bigger than all that. He's so big. So, you're harnessing the mind and filling it with the Word of God and allowing the Spirit then to concentrate on God. Now, I want, to, I want to close by talking about, you know, as you know, closing, that doesn't really mean anything, but I am kind of toward the end. <laughs> All right. Um, I want to talk about silence because that's something that we don't, we don't have. We don't think we need. We don't want. Usually we're uncomfortable with. And we, we just have, we just, it's just a foreign concept today. I mean, goodness gracious, there are so many things to do. All right. One mystic that they don't even know who the name of this person was said, I refresh myself from day to day at the original source of life himself, and I rest from time to time in prayer. Of course, we know Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know. That's, that's, that's meditation, contemplation. Be still and know. Zephaniah 1.7, be silent before the sovereign Lord, for the day of the Lord is near. One of my favorite scriptures to teach when I'm talking about body, soul, and spirit is Psalm 131. Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul as a weaned child rests upon the breast of the mother. So your soul is like a child. And before it's weaned, which really meditation helps this process, before, before the, the soul is weaned, the soul is king. The mind, the will, and the emotions rule your life. And so what we do is we, we calm and quiet the mind, the will, and the emotions until they learn that the spirit is the true rest, the true life. Just like the child is weaned from the mother and no longer controls the mother the, the, the soul is weaned and no longer controls the spirit. Psalm 131, you want to look that up. A stillness of a simple listening to the spirit within and without. A simple looking at the one who is present within and without. Simply being attentive 
being aware and being awake. (laughs) You do need to be awake. It's not listening for a voice. See, this is, this is a, a problem when we, when we have a group. You guys are a prophetic church. There are many prophetic people in this church. Prophetic people tend to listen for a voice. They like to say, I heard the Lord say, or I heard the voice of the Lord. Listen for a voice. Listen for a voice. That's dangerous. And of course, we all know that, that the Lord's voice is not the only voice out there. And sometimes we, we, you know, we, we really don't discern between the voices. We're going to talk about that. I hope most of you that are prophetic that you'll come to the class on Saturday. We're going to talk about some of those, some of those concepts. I want to talk a little bit about pastoring the prophetic because many of the people in this church are, are not novices in the, in the prophetic. So we want to talk about some of those issues. But we don't listen for a voice. Many, many, many times when I prophesy, I never hear a voice. I don't hear a voice. The Lord doesn't say, oh, Laura, blah, 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 tell her, blah, 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 blah. I mean, you know, that's, it's, it's, it's not a voice. I can't, you know. So it's an impression. It's a, it's a, it's a leading, but it, it's rarely ever a voice. So it's a danger. It's a danger thing. Um, the mystic's right to achieve silence is of all things the hardest and the most decisive in the art of prayer. <laughs> to achieve silence is of all things the hardest and the most desi- decisive in the art of prayer. Silence is not merely negative, a pause between words, a temporary cessation of speech, but it is highly positive. It's an attitude of alertness, of vigilance, and of listening. Highly aggressive. A desert monk from hundreds of years ago said, and this is just, this will really get you. He said, if he is not edified by my silence, there is no hope that he will be edified by my words. <laughs> uh, now, I want to read you a quote by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. This is really interesting. Most of you probably know he's an American poet, a secular poet. Okay. He says, let us then labor for an inward stillness, an inward stillness and an inward healing, that perfect silence where the lips and heart are still and we no longer entertain our own imperfect thoughts and vain opinions, but God alone speaks in us and we wait in singleness of heart that we may know his will and in the silence of our spirit that we may do his will and do that only. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, isn't that just amazing? So, one last quote. The purpose of meditation and the challenge of meditation is to allow ourselves to become silent enough to allow this interior silence to emerge. Silence is the language of the Spirit. 
Silence is the language of the Spirit. All right. Any questions? Okay. <laughs> Sometimes that's a joke with children. secret place. Um, it, do you have any instruction on how to get them there better than perhaps I'm doing? <laughs> Is there a... I th- you know, with children, children, children are so much more deep spiritually than we ever give them credit for. And if you, if you can teach them the concept that silence isn't just not talking... So, so if you if you if you teach them that that, and this is a Christian group of children. Oh, downstairs. Okay. Well, if you're having silent time, teach, teach, tell them. Now, I want you to think about God. You know, and then and then after the time of silence, you can tell me what He said, or you can tell me what you saw, or you can tell me if you, you know, or whatever. But but give them a purpose for the silence. Mhm. 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 Tell y'all just a little bitty story. I was doing a conference in Florida, and um, they were having a children's six to twelve uh, thing going on at the same time. And so on Saturday night, they were going to let the children come in and do their, you know, their little piece, maybe ten or fifteen minutes. And so we thought, oh, well, they're going to come do their little song or whatever. And oh, here they come, the little children. And so the, the children's minister guy got up on the stage and, and, he said, and he gave us about a five-minute little sermon about receiving prayer from a child. And then he announced that, um, that they had had a word of, of knowledge that, that the Lord was going to heal women who had had abortions and who had had uh, all kinds of female problems and all that. And would they come forward because the children wanted to pray for them. And so he lined the children up on the stage because they were so short. And so the adults came up like this, and I'm telling you, the whole place was just, the, the, these little kids, they still had to lean over. I mean, they, they had, still had to lean up, you know, because the adults were sick. They were falling like flies. I mean, it was just shocking. The, 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 the adults were all, and there were miracles and healings and all this, because they were teaching those kids to heal the sick, raise the dead, and cast out devils. They weren't teaching them to sing Mary Had a Little Lamb. <laughs> All right, anybody else? Yes, sir. Meditation silence and do you do you encourage people to journal during the time or just You know, eventually uh you're gonna expand and do things, but in this first time of um because that's another whole type of prayer. When you, when you go before the Lord, you meditate on the Word, you, you, you go from one scripture to another, you write down things. That's another whole, whole kind of thing. But in this particular discipline that we're talking about tonight, um, it, it's, a, it's an exercise to, to, to teach your mind how to, how to allow the Spirit to go. And so really the mind would love that. You know, oh, let me journal. <laughs> And, and so there would be something that the mind could do. 
and and really what what I'm talking about is hardcore meditation. <laughs> I'm talking about hardcore where really what the only thing that's happening is is that your mind is occupied with the word and your spirit is learning to commune with without words with the spirit of the Lord. And there are many many times where I don't have, I don't see anything, I don't hear anything, I don't, you know, I can go 30 minutes of meditation and I can't tell you that something happened. But see, that's the point. It's, it's, it's not the point that you want something to happen. And, but, but later, I can tell, it feels like there's steel in my spine. I can feel the strength of the Lord for that next task or that next day or whatever. It's, it's a real interesting thing. It's very subtle. The rewards, quote unquote, are very subtle compared to the, to the spectacular things that the mind, you know, is just gets all excited and does stuff and, you know, whatever. <laughs> but, you know, your, your, your spirit is, 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 is not in the mind, the senses, etc. Yes, sir. Visions come, would you try to just squelch them? See, this is the whole point. You you have a vision and what happens? Your mind goes, I don't know what that means. That means that blah 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 and we need to write that down and, and you know the mind will jump on a spiritual vision and just go berserk. And so you're saying you know, in this time, only the spirit, because the vision—if it's a spiritual vision—you'll still, you'll still, under, you'll still see it later. So when the time is over, then you can move into a different type or a different, a more loose time of. But the discipline of your mind not jumping on that is really important. I mean, it'll just—it's just amazing, and it it it, it has. It has really changed my life. I'm in a in a position many many times. I host conferences where, um, where I you know I I have prophetic musicians and we we uh, we we move and the at the leading of the Lord and the, and we in the way the the Lord goes in the prophetic music is how we we move into that part of the prophetic and and so it's it's a it's the the pressure is really on. You know, to hear from the Lord accurately and do what the Lord is saying and all that kind of stuff. And so there's always a lot of pressure when, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people are waiting for you to see which way to go or whatever. And you're the one that makes the decisions and stuff. And after I started teaching this and, and practicing it myself, it, it, it's just amazing. It's just like my friend said from Florida, you go in so quickly that's why I wanted to tell you when we said, we kept saying, how do you meditate all day and all night? How do you do that? Well, you get so proficient at going in, quote unquote, to the Lord in you that you just, you're in there. So, you know, I mean, you can, you can be walking down the island. You're in here. You're not out here. You're in here. You see? So, so you, you can, you can, you can go in and out, go in and out, go in and out. And so you are meditating. You, you know, the, the Lord's never far away because you don't go as far. Um, I have three kids, 
and one of them gets up early, and one of them stay. <laughs> I just wondered if you had any tips. Hey, Jason. <laughs> I mean, y'all have to, you know, take care of each other and say, okay, and give, give me 30 minutes over here or whatever, and make time. So there's no way you can do this with, with, you know, watching children and being right. So y'all have, to, y'all have to work together on this. Where did he go? He left, never to come back. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm not, a, I'm not a morning person, so then the opposite to that is stay up late when everybody else goes to bed. Anybody else? Okay. To understand this, and maybe other people too. You know, when we went into that five minutes, my two words was my provider. Okay, so I'm just thinking on my provider, my provider. And of course, I don't know if this is when the mind begins to kick in or not, but then you know, I start thinking of my provider, boy, am I, well, that's possessive. Well, I possess. Absolutely, that's the mind. Absolutely, that's exactly what the mind does. Exactly, and what you, and what you don't you don't you're not all you're doing is is occupying your mind with those words. Period. You're not going to exegete the scriptures. You're not going to think about how. The, <laughs> and you can write it down later. <laughs> Jehovah Jireh, yeah, Jehovah Jireh. Nisi too, but I mean, you could work that in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't, in case y'all couldn't hear that, you don't break the puppy down. I mean, <laughs> the prayer phrase is the prayer phrase. That's it. That's it. That's actually a really good question. Well, but the but the thing is, you're going into the Lord where all of it is, you know, and so your mind's going to go crazy when it gets in there. But you're saying, "This is not your time. This is not your time," <laughs> you know. That's right. That's right. The mind is not. That's right. Absolutely. I got to tell you, I just love your accent. It makes me feel so at home. South Africa, you know, Zambia, Zimbabwe, and South Africa was, I always went to South Africa as well. So I've been to Johannesburg many times. Everybody that's from Africa, stand up. No, sit down. No, just because you've been there. I'm talking about your resident from Africa. Okay, so so tell me your country. Ghana? Ghana? Congo? Nigeria? Nigeria? South Africa? Woo, I love South Africa. And then I know you guys. Woo, I love y'all. I love Africa. <laughs> I actually am going back to Africa. I've got a pastor in Tanzania. 
wanted me to come back and my, my Zimbabwe pastors say it's safer now to come. So always do. Do, do you know folks in Durban? Uh, Clive Gopal? Do you, do you know Clive and Sandra? Oh, cool. We'll have to talk later. <laughs> All right. Any other questions? Yes. Um, I was just wondering, especially starting out, is there a consistency as, as far as time is concerned? Um, let's say I commit to 6 o'clock in the morning every day until I can silence myself. That will help you. That will help you very much. If you will, if you will commit, now, not many people can say an exact time every day, but if you will commit to a length of time, commit to 15 minutes, start with 15 minutes, and commit to 15 minutes, and whenever that is best for you, and, and commit to 15 minutes every day. And, you know, that doesn't sound like a lot right now, and it's not out of 24 hours, 15 minutes. It sounds like, you know, anyone should be able to do that. But um, it's hard to find that. Your mind's not going to want to do that, and the mind's been in charge. So it does. It changed my life. It, it literally did change my life, and I, I, I really passionately believe in it because we have, it's, given, it's given me a grounding. It's given me a grounding in the Lord. Before it was all, you know, I don't know how to explain it. It's a, it's a, it's a grounding, and it is a sense. I, I, now I wish I could find that evangelist and tell him I finally understand. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I understand that now. I understand it now. I have a... I have, a, I have a, an ability to understand what going in here means. It's not just my stomach. <laughs> you know, it's my innermost being. Share very briefly, or however long you want to share. But, since you have the mic. And, uh, why it's important, why you feel like it's important in this season and the seasons to come to be grounded and to have this tool to be able to so, so often our Christianity is based on knowledge and not experience. And when it's based on knowledge, there's a, it's like experiential knowledge of the presence of the Lord is a grounding and a rooting. It's, it's like a root. Whereas knowledge, because knowledge is mostly cerebral, it's mostly intellectual, and so knowledge, uh, knowledge has, has the, it's spiritually not as rooted as combining beholding him. Because if you, if you look at the scriptures and you run those studies of the scriptures that talk about beholding him like Psalm 27, uh, how the prophets, you know, were, were in the spirit. And Paul says, I was in the spirit. Well, what does that mean? It means I was contemplating and in the presence of the Spirit. It doesn't mean I was out here, you know, going, you know, dig deep wells. But it means, I mean, you know I'm not making fun of that, right, Jason? You know I'm not making fun of that. <laughs> but, but you know what I'm saying? We can jump and clap and sing and not really be rooted in in Christ, in ourselves. And so what I've, it's like, a, 
I guess the best way I could say it is that it's like two halves of a whole come together. So that you have not just knowledge of the Lord, but you have ex- knowledge and experience which, which makes a unity with the Lord. It, 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 I know this is not very articulate, but it's hard, it's hard to describe, you know. Yes, ma'am. I do meditate. I don't meditate for 30 minutes, but I think too what what it does is it equips you to when trials and tests come to more, much more easily because your mind has been you know snapped shut. You you can you can express Jesus more in those difficult times like, like that versus just at being at head knowledge level. Yeah. Well, I who have been in a, you know, was nearly burned up in a car accident, had plastic surgery from fires, then was in a ski lodge that burned to the ground in the middle of the night, and then had fires four miles from my house, nearly about to consume it. And then I go into a hotel and they tell me, just don't strike a match. Um, you know, and I'm about to go to bed so I can minister all day the next day. And so this friend of mine, you know, asked me, well, what should we do? And I'm thinking, run out in the street? I mean, what are we going to do, you know? <laughs> and so instantly I went, Pfft. and I said, you know, it's alarming news, but I don't have an alarm in my spirit. I think we're going to be fine. Instead of going, ah, another fire! I mean, you know, <laughs> that's what my mind would have done. Jesus or no Jesus, my mind would have gone, no! <laughs> I'm just sunk. If y'all take some of my words out of context, it's going to be bad, bad, bad. <laughs> that's excellent, because that really does, that's, that's a really great practical it matures you in the Lord in a way. It's it's like putting an anchor in you. Anybody else? We've got five minutes left. Anybody else? Okay, you want to go for it one more time? Y'all are excited, I can tell. <laughs> okay, so you're going to put down your stuff. You're going to get your feet on the floor. Ask the Lord for your prayer phase, phrase, your prayer phase, phrase, both. <laughs> we need both, we do. <laughs> All right, praise the Lord.
to study this, I suggest that you you can Google these names. Uh, Teresa of Avila is, is a mystic. She's from, uh, from centuries ago. Saint John of the Cross. A uh, more recent uh, person is John, John Main. Um, Jeannie Guyon is, I'm sorry? M-A-I-N. Mm-hmm. All right, how'd y'all do? Yes, Teresa of Avila. Uh, 